Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And praise be to God. I'm so thankful for all you guys that come into my home in McKinney, Texas. And I want to thank you guys all for uh, coming from SoundCloud all over the world. I want to let you guys know I'm praying for you. I don't know. The Lord told me to tell you that this morning. I just want to let you guys know I'll come from SoundCloud in my home. I'm praying for you guys every day. And just, you know, whatever way the Lord leads and it should grow, either grow in the Lord Jesus Christ or come to know him. Either way, I'm praying for all of you and I'm thankful that all you guys join me every Sunday and that many listen from all over the world, coming from wherever, every country, almost on the planet. And so anyway, um, I want to start off our message today before we start with a prayer. And uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 20. But if you will, I'll start off with a prayer with me, please. And uh, let's ask the Lord to bless our hearts and help us to understand his word today, please, if you would. So Lord, thank you for bringing us here today, Lord. Thank you for blessing us in so many ways, Lord. There's so many blessings that you bless us with every day in me anyway, Lord. I, I can't even thank you. It would take me, I could probably bless you for all the blessings that you give me. It would take me an hour or, or more, Lord, to do it. I could probably do it all day long. There's so many. But Lord, I uh, I want to thank you for this word that you've given me this week, Lord. I want to pray and thank you, Lord God, for your word, your holy word, Lord, the holy Bible. Lord, for it is truly a light, light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path, Lord God. Without it, we would completely be in darkness and we wouldn't even have a light in this world at all. But truly, Lord, your word is like a big torch. Lord, it, it just sits up and so bright in the, in the world. And, and Lord, all that are seeking truth can go to it and find it and, and, and really see who you are and what your character is. And so, I, Lord, I thank you for it. Today, Lord, I pray that you'd bless our hearts. Lord, open our understanding, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit. And open all those that will listen to this message all over the world, dear God, by your Holy Spirit. Open their understanding, Lord, and help them to hear what you have to, to say to us all today. Lord, because we know that without your Holy Spirit opening our understanding, Lord, we cannot understand what you have to tell us. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we bless you. And we give you this time and we pray that it would be glorifying and honoring unto you. We thank you and we praise you, dear God. And we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Again, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 20. And I'll get to it after my thoughts from last week's message. Jesus is dead, but his story is not over. In last week's message, we talked about the secret disciples. Remember, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. And remember, we know that at least Joseph was a secret disciple because he was scared of the Jews And we know Nicodemus would have been also, and how do we know that? Because we see it very clearly that they did not come to support Christ until after he had died, okay? When really nobody was really watching at that point anyway, he was dead. And so they were really kind of that, they were working in that secret disciple kind of mode. But the thing is about that whole idea about a secret disciple, there's something I want you guys to put in your hat for this coming week as you think about that secret disciple, Well, if you've been a Christian for very long, as once they were Christians for a very long time, or or not very long at all, that whole secret disciple bit would have had to go out the window. Because you see, Jesus commands, he doesn't suggest in his word, he commands that we go out and we tell others about him. It's as simple as that. He starts off right away in Matthew 5, 14 through 16 in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, you are, light, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand that it gives light to all who are in the house. And he goes on to say, let your light so shine before men 
that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. There's no such thing there. Jesus is not speaking about hiding at all. He's speaking about letting your light shine. Shine to the world. Let people know. Let people see that you love me and tell people about me. And so, Mark 16, 15, he says to them, he said, uh, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, Matthew's gospel, 28, 19 through 20. We're going to cover it at the end of our sermon this week. He says, go ye therefore in all the earth and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So, as far as Nicodemus and even Joseph of Arimathea, they may have started off as secret disciples, but as they continued to walk in the faith of Christ... They would have definitely learned his teachings and they would have definitely stopped living their faith in secret. So they would have come from one way and gone to another. Kind of Jesus alludes to that when he tells Peter and his brother in Matthew 4.19, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Well, if you have to make somebody something, that means that they didn't start off that way. If I'm making a cake... All the ingredients before I made a cake didn't make up a cake, but until you mix them together and bake it and make a cake, it then becomes a cake. In a sense, when you get saved, you know, you're not a fisher of men. You're you're not a cake yet, you'll say. And so as you continue to walk with Christ, he makes you a fisher of men, something that you were not. And since God has not changed, his teachings and principles haven't changed, and that means that he tells all of us today, that have come to be his disciples, that have come to surrender our lives to him, he says to us today, Go ye therefore in all the earth and preach the gospel. Let your light so shine into all the world, teaching people to do, the, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them the, to do all the things in which I command, uh, you know, which I command you to do. He tells us now, go be a light. Don't be a secret disciple. These guys, Joseph and Nicodemus, they would have probably, who knows, but I don't know that church history about them, but they might have been great martyrs for the faith because, you know, in their time, people that became disciples generally died for Christ. That's kind of what they did. But anyway, just remember, keep this in your mind. Jesus commands, not just suggests, to all his disciples or followers that we're supposed to share his truth with others. So keep that in your hat and think about that as you go on this week and listen to him and obey him. Don't just hear him and know his good words and all that such and then go on. Hear him and then obey him. That's our duty to hear and to obey. All right. Well, praise God. Uh, On to our new message. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 through 20. We're going to read it. I'm going to give you the title here in a minute. I kept my overview kind of short because we've got... Our sermon today is, is just, it's full of a whole bunch of different things. And, and God said, keep your, keep your overview short. So we, I got a lot to say. So it's a lot of good stuff. And um, let's read it. The title of our new sermon is, God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Matthew 28, 1 through 20. If you'll read it with me and then I'll teach on it. The Bible says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, 
Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring the disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came, and they held him by the feet, and they worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that, <clears throat> that, had, that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while he slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed, and this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So if you've been listening to me from the time we started, about two and a half years ago, you'll know that today is a monumental day in the history of Gospel Saving Church. Why is that? Well, if you've been with us, you'll just realize that after I read what I read, we just finished the Gospel of Matthew. I started the Gospel of Matthew about two and a half years ago, and we've had some different sermons along the way some outside. We've had our Christmas services, which have been special. We've had our resurrection services, which have been special. We had a, an, you know, an outside sermon here and there. But for the most part, for the last two and a half years, we have been studying the gospel of Matthew. Now, I didn't intentionally go so slow for a purpose. I just was going as God you know, led me. But this week, as I just said, monumental week because we get to finish the gospel of Matthew. But I'd ask you to do this for me. Please do this for me. I still haven't heard from the Lord yet as to what book I'm supposed to be in next time. And since we're done with the Gospel of Matthew, I really don't know where we're headed. Whether it be Acts or Romans or Hebrews or 1 Corinthians, I don't know. So pray for me that God would teach me and tell me clearly what book we're supposed to go into next. Because whatever book I start, I'll teach that book verse by verse by verse. That's what God's will still is, which I believe it is. Anyway. Uh, Let's get on to finishing our Gospel of Matthew. In our very first verse, there's a lot of things that I could say. But there's some things in the first verse that we cannot put aside that are more important today to read than any others. Verse 1 again, I'm going to read it again, and then we're going to talk about what the Lord showed me, these couple things that are just amazing, and they just set the stage for our whole sermon today. So after the Sabbath... As the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Did you notice who the ones were, who the only ones were that came to see the tomb after Jesus had died and he was buried? Now this is after the Sabbath. Well, did you notice who the only ones were that showed up? It's hard to miss there. Verse 1, 
the Marys. We're back to the Marys again. And the Bible tells us in verse 5 of this same section of Scripture that they were there because they were seeking Jesus. That's important. We'll come back to that in a little bit. But notice here, there's a second major point here that cannot avoid to be missed. Can't miss it. And if you don't see it, God, I didn't see it until just when I started studying. I've read this Matthew over probably 25 times or more, and I never saw this before, but check this out. Look at this gold nugget that God showed me. If you look at our last couple sections of Scripture, where we had verse 51 and 56, which were the ends of our two other last sections of Scripture that Matthew taught on, we see that all that was first were the disciples, or Jesus, and da 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 this, that, and the other thing. And we see that the Marys are thrown in last. And remember the last couple sermons I taught about how, well, the Marys were thrown in there, you know, kind of at the end. And why were they thrown in? Well, because, you know, the accountability. You know, they were, they were there. They were testifying, and they would be able to testify, and they were written down, and people could go to them and, and say, oh, you saw this? Yeah, yeah, I saw this. And so it would give Matthew's gospel accountability. And the things that happened to Jesus, it would give them accountability. That, yes, they really did happen. But notice here that they are the first ones back to the tomb, and Matthew mentions them first. So he, ma- he mentions them last in the last two sections of scriptures that we studied, last two accounts of kind of things that happened, and they get mentioned first here. Now, is that a coincidence, you think? I don't think so. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 16, he said, the last will be first and the first will be last. Was this coincidence? Oh, they just, you know, Matthew was just recording on what happened. Yes, it's true. But why then, before the resurrection, mention the Marys last in the section of Scripture? Because they were there first, just like the other people were, just like all those that were in that other, those other two sections of Scriptures. They were there. Why did Matthew mention them last, but then now he mentions them first in this section of Scripture? I put my bet. You can be the judge on whether God did this or not, but I put my bet on the fact that Matthew did this by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, proving what Jesus said in Matthew 2016, the first will be last and the, and the last will be first. They were last mentioned before resurrection. After resurrection, they're now mentioned first. But that's not the only place where we see the Marys get first place here after the resurrection, I'll keep showing you this as we go along. So the Marys are the first on the scene and the first to be mentioned. But what does Matthew tell us that they see? Look at verses 2 and 3. Let's see what the Marys saw. And while they're there, you could say, because then they're there, they're all, they're looking on. And the tomb is sealed. Now that's when they get there, the tomb is still sealed. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and they sat on it. And then they see his countenance like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. So imagine there you're them and you're walking up and talking and you know, maybe sad that Jesus is gone, but they're walking up. I wonder, I wonder if Jesus is real. And I'm sure they remembered the promises. Oh, Jesus said he was going to raise the third day. I wonder if we're going to get to see that. And as they're walking up, bam! Great earthquake hits. This huge earthquake, kind of like the one that hit when he died. Earth-splitting earthquake. We got this earthquake, and all of a sudden, the, the stone, this huge stone, 
who I don't know if it was the upper or lower millstone, but it's this huge stone, probably, you know, six foot high or more, six foot in circumference or more, gets rolled back. And then only they see this angel, this gorgeous, beautiful angel, this, this bright angel shining in bright light. This, they could probably barely look at him. He's so bright and white and countenances. He's like lightning. And they see all these amazing things. They're the first to see the angel get rolled back, or the, the, the stone get rolled back, and then the angel show up. Outside of these amazing things that they saw, also think about this. I think God is saying something here. God is saying something about, the, remember I, t- I told you a while back that the three most amazing things in all humanity that have ever happened was the birth of Christ, the death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ, Right? Well, at the birth of Christ, there's all kinds of amazing things. Back We go back to Matthew 1 and chapter 2. But here we see at the death and the resurrection of Christ, we see great earthquakes. God is speaking here. Don't you think that God knew these were two of the most monumental things that would ever happen in the course of human history? Of course he did. And what does he cause to happen? Great earthquakes happen when these two major events happen. But that's not all they see. Look at verse 4. And the guards shook with fear of him. They're, they're watching all this happen now. And became like dead men. What do they see? They see these ferocious guards. These murderous Roman soldiers that just very short, just a few days ago, were maybe there and they were possibly some of those that were actually the ones that crucified Jesus in heinous murder, in cruelty. These tough guys right? With swords and shields and they were there and they were ready for war. They were ready for somebody to come and maybe break open the tomb and they were going to guard against it. And what are they doing? They're now laying in terrible fear just at the sight of one single angel. That's powerful. I want you to think about this. This wasn't a group of angels. This wasn't God Almighty or Christ Jesus in their glorified form here. This was just One single angel that they saw. What we see here in this scripture about this angel, in case you didn't know this, I'm going to give you some education today that's against what you see in the movies. It's against what you see on TV. It's against what you hear in some churches. But I'm going to tell you here, I'm going to show you something here that's very powerful, something that scripture teaches about a lot in in scripture. And what is it? That angels are definitely not these cute little fat little things that fly around with these little wings on their back and they come with these little fairy wands and touch people's noses and people go, oh, how beautiful, it's so gorgeous. They're definitely not these fictitious creatures that we see on the movies. They're definitely not angels in the outfield where when they show up, they they get to bed together and definitely not all these things, right? What are they? What are they? They are ferocious, wondrous, frightening beings of immense power. And generally, when people see them, they're afraid. They're not going, oh, look at the beautiful angel. Wow, Mary, look at that. How gorgeous. Look how handsome he is. No, these ferocious guards murderous Roman guards are looking at this angel after he just moved this stone back and they're laying off trembling in fear. These guys were used to war. 
They were used to war. They were used to blood and guts and killing people. And yet from one angel, they're laying off in fear, looking at the angel. Oh my gosh, it's an angel. No, they're definitely not fat, cute little things flying around, making people all looking all giddy and touching people with magic wands. That's a, that's a, that's a, a lie from the pit of hell. If the devil could teach you that angels are these little cute creatures and you see one, you're going to be shocked and think it's from him or something because they're scary. They're really, really scary. Proving my point even more about angels, look at verse 5. Look at the beginning of verse 5. Look at the first thing this angel says to the Marys. Do not be afraid. That's the first thing that the angel said to the Marys. Do not be afraid. Well, now, if this angel was this creature that we see on TV and these creatures that we see in, uh, in the movies and such, and that we see on little Hallmark cards and things like that, why would the angel have said, be not afraid? Don't be afraid. If they came and they were just happy-go-lucky creatures and, and they were handsome and, and all, they were wonderful and, and, and made Mary's laugh and, and be happy, he definitely wouldn't have said, be not afraid. They were scared. That's why he said that. They were scared of this angel, just like the guards. They weren't laying in fear because they loved Jesus, but they certainly were not happy and, and smiling and joyful that these angels were there. They were scared. So think about that. So moving on, putting our focus back on the Marys for a bit. Notice who, again, here we go back to first place here. Notice who the first persons were that the angel spoke to when he showed up. Did he speak to the guards? No. Did he speak to the rocks? No. Did he go to the disciples? No. Who did he speak with? The Marys. The women or the Marys. So the Marys now, they're first on the scene. They're first to be mentioned by Matthew in this section of Scripture, first to see the awesome miracle of the opening of the tomb, and first to see the angel speak. That's powerful. That's powerful. But God's not done speaking about the Marys in this section of Scripture just yet. There's a reason the angel spoke to them first, besides the fact of God showing them the first and last principle and last and first principle. What is it for the rest of verse 5? The angel says to them, For I know that you came to seek Jesus who was crucified. The angel knew that these ladies were there to seek Jesus. Think about that time. Think about what he just says to them. Think about the title of our scripture today, or of the title of our sermon today. If the angel knew that they were there to seek Jesus, think God knew that they were there to seek Jesus? Absolutely. Of course God knew that they were there to seek Jesus. He knows all. He knows those who really seek him to really know him, and he knows those that really don't, right? And since the Marys were seeking Jesus, God showed them Two different scriptures, literally, in this one section of scripture. He shows them that 2 Chronicles 16.9 still applied to them. And again, it's still going to apply to us today. So he shows them 2 Chronicles 16.9. And he says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. So God's eyes are always looking around the whole planet. All the time, his eyes go to and fro 
run to and fro throughout all the whole earth. And what does it say? To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. What were the Marys there to do? They weren't there to sightsee. They weren't there to, uh, you know, get a good movie. They weren't there to catch lunch or breakfast. They were there to be loyal to Jesus. They were there to seek Jesus and be loyal to Jesus. And what does God do? He shows himself strong on behalf of those, you could say, who seek him or, or to those who really love him and whose hearts are really loyal to him. So they see this verse. They see, wow, God is still the God of 2 Chronicles 16, 9. But he also showed them even one from the New Testament that hadn't even been written yet. Because God doesn't change. God says in Hebrews eleven six, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews eleven six. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And what does he do here? He rewards these Marys in an awesome way. And the Marys, well, they really show us what it really means to seek Jesus here, don't they? They were up early, right after the Sabbath. They couldn't come before the Sabbath because it was forbidden for them to go outside of their city. So what did they do after the Sabbath, first day of the week, as the sun rose? This would have been when they could have. They came right away to go seek Jesus. So their hearts are definitely loyal towards God. And God, well, he's a man of his word, and he rewards those who diligently, like the Marys, seek him. And for their seeking Jesus, God rewards them by letting them have all the first fruits and blessings that he shows them all right now after the resurrection of Christ. And they even here, hint, hint, they get to see Second Chronicles and Hebrews 11 come literally to life here in a little bit. Well, we'll talk about it in a few minutes. But there's one thing for sure. Know this. Ladies and gentlemen, know this. Get this through your... I need to, too. We need to get it through our thick skulls sometimes. There's nothing greater than for any... There's nothing greater... There's not one greater thing that anyone can do that's alive than to seek Jesus, for he is everything. But look at this angel first. What else does this angel tell them? Look at verses 6 and 7. He says to these ladies, He's not here, for he is risen. As he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly to tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. What does he do? He gives them some commands. He tells them to do some stuff, right? What did he tell them? Also, they were the first ones to hear what? They were the first one to hear Christ is risen. Amen. Christ defeated death cracked the grave, and rose from the dead as he foretold, as the Bible foretold of him doing thousands of years before Christ ever lived. They were the first ones to get that news. They were the first ones to hear that Jesus Christ defeated Satan. Remember I told you last week, we'd talk about that this week, that he would defeat Satan because Satan tried to come against him and seal the tomb and so on and so forth. Well, here, Christ did it. The angels tell the Marys. 
And now the Marys are commanded to go and do some stuff. Now please note here, there's something important to think about here. The angel could have gone to the disciples and given them the message first, but they don't. Everybody doesn't. Why? Why didn't, the, why didn't the angel go to the disciples who were the followers of Christ while he was alive, who were his messengers while he was alive? Why doesn't the angel go to them first and not the Marys? Think about this. You could always reverse engineer scripture. Always remember that. Well, Hebrews eleven six. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, right? That's what the Bible says, right? Well, then if he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, isn't he also the opposite then? He doesn't reward those who don't seek him? Where were the disciples? We'll look at that in a minute. But why weren't the disciples there seeking Jesus? Well, they weren't. Only the Marys were there seeking Jesus. Only those who seek the Lord shall be rewarded by him. The Marys are rewarded while the disciples are not. Right? The disciples don't even get to start to hear of the message of the victory of Jesus over death and Satan until verse 8. Look at verse 8. So they went quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring the his disciples' word. And Mark tells us, get this, Mark tells us in his gospel that Mary Magdalene is the one who goes from them all and tells the disciples. And what were the disciples doing while the Marys were seeking Jesus? And what were they doing while Mary Magdalene comes to them with the message of the angel? Mark 16.10 tells us that they were mourning and weeping. So now think about this. The disciples were not seeking Jesus, but they were mourning and weeping and feeling sorry for themselves. While the Marys were seeking Jesus, and because the Marys were seeking Jesus, God shows himself strong on behalf of them by making them the first here in every aspect after the resurrection of Christ, while the disciples were last. Last will be first, and the first will be last. Get it? That's wonderful, isn't it? But God doesn't stop showing himself strong towards them and rewarding them for seeking Jesus. Look at what happens to them as they were going to give the disciples the news of the risen Christ. Read the first part of verse 9. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. What did they see? How does God show himself strong on behalf of them? He gives them the full life. 4D, I believe it would be called. The full Christ risen from the dead to meet them as they go to tell the disciples. Wow. Tell me that's not a reward, because I'll tell you, that's a reward that I want for seeking Jesus. I want to meet Jesus face to face. And the Bible says that if we do seek him, that we will meet him face to face, but we'll just have to wait till we die. We don't know, though. We could meet Jesus face to face now. We don't know. God could bless us with that, too. How much do we really want to seek? But how's that for a reward in God showing himself strong towards them for seeking Jesus? That's powerful. It reminds me of the day that I came 
to seek Jesus. Actually, it wasn't just one day. It was over about a six to eight month period when I was an atheist, actually, about 15 or 16 years ago. And I didn't believe in God at all. But then I started just questioning a whole bunch of things. And I started thinking, looking out at space and thinking, wow, really, there's no God? And so I started, the guy actually went and got a Bible. I didn't go to a church. I went and just got a Bible. And I just started reading that Bible. And I read some books and I read over the Gospels. And and I was really kind of seeking God to see if he was real. At one point, I kind of started to believe in God. Yeah, you know, I I can kind of believe in God. I mean, who else put everything out there in the space and the sun and the moon and the stars and all that such? And I thought, yeah, I, I can believe in a God. Yeah, I can. But then I said, what about this guy named Jesus? So I went and read over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And at the end, I got kind of angry because I couldn't see any of the miracles of Jesus. Couldn't see him. So I slammed the Bible down on the table next to me and I said, Oh, dear God. I said, I just can't believe this. I should show me. I, I, don't, I can't believe this. It's hard for me to believe, Lord. I, I can't see it. And he said, Have you just ever asked me if I was real? And so I said, well, no, I never did. I fell on my face and I started seeking God with all my heart, harder than I'd ever sook him before in my life. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the whole room filled with power and God was there with me. Kind of like how Jesus shows up here with with these Marys. He shows up. God shows up in the room with me with his great power and he fills the whole room. I was stuck. Couldn't even move. I was stuck. And he says to me, Oh, Ed, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And I said, Oh, Jesus, I need you. And I fell on the floor and put my face on the floor and I cried out to God and I was so thankful because God had revealed himself to me. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And he was a rewarder to the Marys here and he was a rewarder to me 15 or 16 years ago. And it's cha- he has changed my life Ever since, I've gone from a heinous, abusive husband and father to a loving, kind man, and God changed my life in one day. And exactly the way I responded, we see the Marys here. Look at how they respond to Christ showing up to them. They, funny, they kind of respond the same way. It says that they came there in verse 9. They came and they held him by the feet and they worshipped him. And that's exactly what I did. I fell on my face after God showed up to me and I grabbed a hold of God with my heart and I said, Jesus, and I wept and I just held on to God in my heart and I knew that he'd be with me always. And I want to tell you something right now, all of you that are listening to this message, if you really seek Jesus, he will really show up in some powerful way. God promises it to us in Hebrews 11 and 2 Chronicles. And you, if he shows up, if you really seek, you will respond in the same way as the Marys did. I guarantee it. Now, what does Jesus tell them now that they've seen him? Look at verse 10. i got to turn my page in my Bible. We're about getting done here. Verse 10. What does he tell them? Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Now, this is the risen Christ, and we see here that Even they would have been frightened of him because he was in a new glorified body. He didn't look like he was in the same body he was in when he was alive. That body was dead. That body of sin was dead. Now he's in a new glorified body. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. So he kind of gets this. They get the same message from Jesus as the angel just told the Marys to go do. 
But did you notice whatever else that Jesus just did there to these Marys who were seeking? You notice what else God did there to these Marys that he didn't do to anybody else first? Well, I'm going to tell you if you don't get it. He makes them his first post-resurrection messengers. Or you could say he makes them his first apostles. The word apostle just means those that are sent. And what did he tell them? Go and tell. I'm sending you to tell my disciples The guys that were with me for three and a half years, but you know what? They're not here seeking me now. So you know what, Marys? I got to give them a second chance because they've blown it. They're feeling sorry for themselves while you're here seeking. So I'm making you, my Marys, my ladies, my first apostles, my first ones, my first messengers. How powerful is that? The guys weren't the first guys and girls all in the Bible The ladies were first too. Isn't that awesome? So now that God has shown himself strong on behalf of these ladies that were seeking Jesus and rewarded them greatly and given the disciples a second chance to seek him, what are all the guards and religious leaders doing with the news of Christ risen from the dead now? What are the religious leaders and the the soldiers now doing with Christ's defeat over death and Satan? Look at this. Look, read verses 11 through 15 with me. I'm going to talk about them quickly. Now, while they were going, behold, now while the ladies, the first apostles, were going, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. So the guards, what do they do? They just run off. Now, hey, they were given a duty. Now, their their duty's over, right? They don't have to guard the tomb anymore. Hey, they just saw this angel come. They just saw the stone roll away. They saw all this powerful stuff happen, and then they just went into the city to tell the religious leaders, what had happened? Hey, by the way, so-and-so and so-and-so, uh, this is what we just saw. Wow, wow, this is what we just saw. What do, what do we do now, right? They're just going there, to be honest. Verse 12, when they had assembled with the elders, so now we got the guards and all the elders, and which would be the religious leaders, right? Probably the high priest is there. So the guards are there now with the elders, high priests, all the religious leaders, and consulted together, listen to this, Listen to how these evil men act. They gave them a large sum of money. Or they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away and went, or while we slept. And if it comes, now what did they do? They told the guards, Here's some money. Go lie. Go lie to the people. That his deceiving disciples came by night and stole him away. And then here, they have to tell him, so this is such a farce. Verse 14, and if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. Why would they have had to do that? Well, the guards, if they would have lost the body under Roman rule, that was punishable by death. They could have died for them losing the body. That's why they would fight to the death for whatever job they were given because if they didn't fulfill their job, like this in this instance, they would have been killed. So they lie and deceive the people and give the guards money to lie for them, but their plan backfires in verse 15. So the guards took the money and did as they were instructed, but look at this. And as this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day, their scheme didn't work because obviously some of the guards had loose lips and we know what loose lips do, right? They sink ships. 
And so the guards said to all the people, yeah, yeah, they, they told basically the people what happened. Man, this angel come. They started telling the people these amazing things that they saw. I'm sure they said that guards, you know, stole them away by night, but I'm, I'm sure here that their lie was uncovered because these things were commonly reported. All the things that happened to the guards were commonly reported. Now, it's funny if you think about it. Remember when the last time we talked about the religious leaders and when they were meeting Pilate? And they came to Pilate after Jesus had died and they said, Pilate, why don't you put some guards there? Because that deceiver said that after three days he would rise again. And, you know, we wouldn't want those deceiver disciples to get in there and steal the body, right? Because then the last deception will be worse than the first. But it's funny how they came to Pilate and spoke about how Jesus was going to deceive people in three days. Yet, look at this. They're the ones who heard the truth of his resurrection right from first-hand witnesses of the account. And then they tried to deceive the people, but God trumped them as these sayings were commonly reported in verse 15. Satan always loses, doesn't he? Satan always loses. Plus, we have the disciples, the 11 that we're going to read about (laughs) next, who were feeling sorry for themselves. We're going to get back to these disciples. But Satan always loses, doesn't he? Amen? Satan always loses. He never wins. He can't win over God. Satan has been defeated, and he's going to be defeated, and he will lose in the end. There's no way he can win. Now, back to the disciples who were feeling sorry for themselves. Do they continue to be sad and sorry for themselves after the second chance Jesus gives them through the Marys? No. Look at verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. So the Marys, the first apostles, go tell the disciples. The disciples then say, oh, okay. And then they stop feeling sorry for themselves, dry off their weeping noses, clean their eyes off a little bit, and gather themselves up. Oh, I guess God's given us another chance. And then they go away to meet Jesus. But then says some of them, uh, when they saw him, so then he reveals himself to them as what? As they come and seek him. God gave them a second chance, but if they would have blown it, if they wouldn't have listened to the Marys who did see him, God would have had to go out and get himself some new disciples of Jesus. But they listened. So when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So they went, they listened, they did start seeking him. Then when they saw him, they worshipped him. Because God then, remember, is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. As the disciples went and then diligently sought him. Verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them. Now here, now he's talking to them. And he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. The Bible tells us that because of what he did, God made all Jesus' enemies his footstool. So here, all authority in this here, we we see here that God again here shifts his authority. Don't listen to me anymore, people. Listen to my son. Remember on the mountain, on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, this is my son whom I will please hear him. Here we see here again, Jesus say, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve all things that I've commanded you. Look at that. And you know what's funny? Remember, the Bible says, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. 
What's funny that because me, it wasn't very long after I had got converted. It wasn't very long after God rewarded me for seeking him till he saved me, till he changed me, till he told me this. I was walking around one day and he said, hey, Ed, look into people's eyes and tell me what you see. And I looked and I looked and I went around to people and I was looking in their eyes as I was walking by. I probably looked funny doing it. And I, and I said, wow, Lord, I, I see death. I see darkness in people's eyes. He goes, that's right. They're lost like you were. Now go tell them about me. What did he tell the disciples? Go into all the earth and start teaching people about me because you could say the Bible says because they're dead and they're in sin and they're on their way to hell like you used to be. Now go tell them about me. Remember, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And then he gives us the most awesome promise of all. One of the most awesome promises in all of the Bible. I tell you to go out and do this. I tell you to go here, you know, go speak for me. Go tell others about me and such. But you don't go alone, ladies and gentlemen. My children, he says, you won't go alone. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age Amen. Amen is a close. It's a close to the book. And lo, I'm with you always. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. It's what he told me in the day I got saved. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you and I'll be with you always. And lo, I'm with you even unto the end of the age. My children, this is what I want you to do. I told you what's going to happen to you when you do it. You'll probably even lose your lives. But guess what? I'll be with you. While you go out and while you do what I want you to do. Wow. So Christ cracks the grave. He defeats death once and for all, putting his heel on the neck of Satan and making a way for all who seek him to be able to have eternal life in paradise with him and God forever in paradise, right? And he shows us, us and the Marys, his principle of Hebrews eleven six, which is good towards all now who seek him. All who seek him, this is your promise too. God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. By completely blessing the Marys of today's scripture with all of the many blessings we read about and making them the first and basically everything that happened here after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They became the first apostles. They became the first to hear of the good news about Jesus Christ's defeat of death. They become the first See, the angel first. The stone rolled away first. They get all these first. Matthew mentions them first. What a blessing. And if you realize, which I didn't say in the sermon, but I have an extra minute or two, in this time period in the Bible, ladies were not thought of as highly. In fact, all biblical stories in the Old Testament, ladies really generally weren't even always mentioned. When a husband and wife would have some kids, they would only mention the boys. And here for Matthew to mention the ladies who in their culture were nothing, this is tremendous. This is tremendous. Really it is. And God here, he shows us, Hebrews eleven six, 6, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But as I said, as I close today's message, as I say this, Hebrews 13, 8, Christ is the same today and yesterday and tomorrow. Which means this, no matter where you're at with God, no matter where you're at with Christ, 
Well, e- even though it's October 4th, 2015, right now, 10.35 in the morning at my home in McKinney, you can seek Jesus if you really care to know him and if he's really real. You can seek him right now. And he can and will reward you for diligently seeking him. Hebrews 11.6 By revealing himself and God to you and he can also, if your heart, if you really care, if you really seek him and you really want to know who he is, 2 Chronicles 16.9 For his eyes are running all over the earth right now. All over the whole earth. And he's waiting to look for you whose heart could be strong on behalf of those, his heart wants to be strong on behalf of those that are loyal to him or those that are really seeking him. And he can and will reward you if you care and if you want to seek him. So, it's our choice today, your choice, my choice, everybody's choice today to either keep living our lives in doubt. We can do that. We can feel sorry for ourselves because of our lives, like the disciples were here today in our scripture. Or we could be like the Marys and we can set our hearts to seek Jesus and to know who he is, really is and to know if he's really, really, really real. Or we don't have to. We can just keep on living our lives and doubt and keep walking around in darkness and not care at all and living for ourselves and the pleasures of this world and so on and so forth. You can seek him or you don't have to. That's if you're not his. Or if you already truly believe in him and already have sought Jesus like I and the Marys have and he's already shown himself strong on you, uh, toward himself strong towards you and rewarded you, then you can always certainly keep seeking him to know him in a deeper way. The Bible gives us that too. Nobody in the flesh can ever know all the full things about God and Christ. Nobody. If we were to, our brains would just explode. God is so immense and so powerful and so awesome that if God were to say, here I am, boom, we'd, we'd explode. We'd explode. We, we, couldn't, we, couldn't, we couldn't take him all in. He's too much, too powerful, too amazing. But if we seek Jesus more and more, they will definitely reveal themselves more and more to us so that our relationship can get deeper and stronger with them. So no matter where you're at with God, no matter where you're at with God, please seek Jesus with all your heart daily. For they want you to come to know them more and even desire to reveal themselves more to you if you would ask, seek, and knock. How do we do that? How do we ask, seek, and knock? Well, it's pretty self-explanatory. Like me, let's take me back 15, 16 years. God, are you really real? Jesus, are you really real? I need to know who you are, please. Would you reveal yourself to me? God, please. I want to know who you are. Are you real? Do you exist? Jesus, are you really the God's son? If you really ask in sincerity, God, who are you really? Jesus, who are you really? And when you take God's promises, if you start to ask him, he'll show you. 
He'll lead you in that way. But do you care? Do you care? That's what God's looking for. His eyes are going for all over the whole earth right now. And he's looking to see whose heart is really, really, really seeking him. So are you going to do that if you don't believe? If you really, really don't believe today, are you going to start asking him? And then are you going to start seeking for answers? Who is God? And then start seeking. Looking at things like creation. Looking at these amazing truths. Looking at your human body, how amazing it is. Are you going to seek? Then are you going to knock? Where do we knock? We knock on the door of the Bible. You start reading the Bible, which is God's, His holy divine word. God, please show me who you are. Lord, I want to know you. I want to know who you are. You're really real. Then you start reading the Bible. Can you reveal yourself to me, Lord? Can you speak to me? Then God gives you a promise in His word. If you care, He'll reveal Himself to you. He'll show Himself to you. He'll show Himself strong on behalf of you. If you really care. So think about these things and think about where you're at with God and Christ and what you really believe. And if you're not sure, ask, seek, and knock. And give God an opportunity to reveal Himself to you. And if you already believe, and if you're already His, seek Him more. He's so deep. He's so awesome. Seek Him more and let Him have an opportunity to reveal Himself more to you. Because He's not satisfied with His relationship right with, with you right now. He wants a deeper one. Same as I want with my wife. Same as I want with my boys. I always want a deeper relationship with those that I know. I get, them to, get to know them more. Get, to, you know, get a chance to spend more time with them. And God wants that opportunity from you too if you're His. So I'll give you some things to think about. We're done with the Gospel of Matthew. God bless you, and let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for this message. Thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Thank you so much, Lord God, that you give us these awesome examples of what you say in your word. You you tell us these things in your word in some places, and then you give us the people that exercise, the, the, the things that you said, if you do these things then... And then, you, and then you show yourself. So the people do the things that you say do, and then if you do this, I'll do this. And then they do those things, and then you fulfill your end of the bargain. So Lord, thank you so much, Lord, that you're an interactive God. That Lord, you're a, you're a, you know, you're a give and take God. You, you, know, you, you, you want us to respond, or you're reaching out to us, you want us to respond. When we respond, Lord, then you reveal yourself to us. And so I I pray, Lord God, right now for all those listening out there, Lord God, that they would take you at your word, Lord, in the Bible, which is your holy word, and that they would ask you and talk to you, start asking you if you're real. They would seek you and that they would knock on your word, Lord, and find out if you're real. And they wouldn't just, that they just stop being satisfied with the pollution and the garbage that this earth has to offer and all the sin that's in this world, Lord God. I pray, dear God, that people, as they hear this message, and even they, people that hear this message, they go and tell their friends, just have you ever sought God? Have you ever sook Him? Have you ever want, really wanted to know? Lord, just ask Him. Just ask Him. Seek Him. Ask Him. Lord, please, 
Send us all forth to go tell your word, just like you told the disciples, just like you told me. Send us all forth, Lord, those of us that are yours, and help us to go to the world and tell them the truth. And Lord, I pray those we go to, Lord, you'd, you'd touch their hearts and that they would start seeking, or that they would start asking, and they would start knocking. Please, God, as your word says, you're a man of your word, and you said that your Holy Spirit has drawn the whole world to Christ. I pray you continue. And as you do, Lord God, I pray even right now, people would respond. And, when, and as they start to seek you, and as you start to reveal yourself to them, I pray, Lord, they'd fall on their faces and surrender their lives to Jesus. Jesus, I need you. It's no magic prayer of salvation. It's a heart condition, Lord. Lord Jesus, I need you. And God, I pray that God, as they seek, you would reveal, as your word says, and people would get saved. Thank you, dear God. I praise you, dear God. And I ask all these things in the mighty and holy and precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God, everyone. It's Pastor Ed here. and Thank you so much for listening to the message. It's my prayer that you were encouraged and challenged with what you heard today to be a doer of God's word and not a hearer only. Because your life will soon be passed and only what you've done for Jesus Christ will last. If you live in the Dallas, Texas area, we want to invite you to come to our little house church here in McKinney, Texas. Sunday mornings, our service is at 1015, and the directions can be found on our website. Also, if you have any prayer requests or questions, or maybe you believe God has called you to support this church financially, please go to gospelsavingchurch.com and click on the appropriate links. I would love to hear from you personally. God loves you very much. Please love Him back by the way you live your life. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.